For many Americans, pensions seem to be fading fast, and Social Security seems to be in doubt. And yet many of us are very ill-equipped to face retirement. Many of us don't even know where to start. And what compounds things even further is our economic situation here in our country. So what we're going to do today is talk about 12 New Year's resolutions that you can have for your financial well-being in 2012. So let's get started. First thing you can look at is a cash flow analysis. In order for you to start establishing goals for retirement, the most important thing is to understand what does it cost for you to enjoy the lifestyle that you have right now? And also, what things do you currently spend money on that maybe could be reallocated to help you establish a comfortable lifestyle in retirement? If you don't know what it costs to live today, how in the world are you going to know what it costs in the future? So sit down with your financial advisor and kind of analyze where you are right now and where you want to be. It's real easy if you have a good understanding of what your outflows are right now is to imagine if you were retired today, how would that be adjusted? A lot of areas will probably stay the same. So that's a first good step is understanding your cash flow. New Year's resolution two for your financial well-being in 2012. Make sure you're taking advantage of employer matches to a 401k. In a lot of plans that we've seen, employers during these difficult economic times have suspended matches to 401k plans. However, over the last year or so, we're seeing more and more plans bringing back matches. So one thing you want to check, most plan amendments are done right here at year end to be started in the beginning of 2012. If your employer has re-implemented a match, maybe increased a match, or maybe there's a match that's been there for a while, you're going to want to take a look at that and decide whether or not you can take advantage of that. The way a lot of matches work, they might be 50 cents on the dollar, 25 cents on your dollar. Some might even be as much as dollar for dollar. So you don't want to leave that money on the table. Make sure that you're putting away enough money to get that free bonus through your employer. And let's understand that. If you have a 25% match, if you put $4 in your plan, your employer is kicking in a dollar. If you put in $8, your employer is putting in $2. So it's real easy to figure out what that match will be and make sure you're taking advantage to that to the fullest. A lot of people don't realize or have forgotten that in 2011, we had a reduction in what is withheld from our checks for our Social Security. Well, that was just recently signed again to extend that for 2012. So if you look at that, that was money a couple years ago that was being withheld from your check, and maybe you make that available to help fund your retirement and take advantage of that employer match. For New Year's Resolution 3, consider increasing retirement contributions. While you might be taking full advantage of a match at work, maybe that's not enough to get to your retirement goals. Many retirement experts are saying that 10, even 20% of our pay is what we should be putting away each and every year. And if you took advantage of New Year's resolution number one, you may find that you can easily adjust what you're putting into your retirement by maybe making some adjustments in some of the things you're spending money on right now. 
Just to give you an example, look at your current cell phone service. If you're not needing the level of service you have right now, maybe you could go to a lesser plan and save $10 or $15 a month. Maybe your cable package or satellite package, instead of getting all those different channels, cut some of those channels back, maybe saving another $25, $30 a month. When you really understand your expenses, it's easy to find money that can be reallocated toward retirement. So consider increasing your retirement contributions. Here's resolution number four. Consider contributions to a family member's 529. Whether you're a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or uncle, today's college costs continue to go up dramatically at a level that's higher than the inflation rate from most studies that we've seen. So if you have a family member that's college-bound, is there going to be enough money there for them to pay for their education? Every day, I meet with clients that have had to go the route of college student loans, and here 10, sometimes 20 years after graduating, they're still struggling to pay off those student loans. So if a family gets together and makes it a goal that they're going to help a child through college, one of the great ways of doing that is through a college 529 plan. The advantage of these plans is the money can grow tax-deferred and come out tax-free when used for college. And some of the plans that are out there make it very easy for family members to all contribute for one child's college education. Maybe instead of getting that video game or some toy that's forgotten or broken after a week or two after a birthday or Christmas, maybe it'd be better to give them the gift of education. What better gift can you give a child today than prepare them for their future life? Year's resolution number five, review investment allocations and adjust as needed. A lot of us go through life making decisions and then just leaving them go. An example would be if, let's say, you were putting money away 100% into stocks for retirement and you started that when you were 25 years old, and now you're 55 or 60 years old and you haven't changed that allocation. Well, as we get closer to retirement, it's less about the growth and more about preserving principle. On the same token, many of us sometimes will panic when the market seems uncertain and we might go to cash. Well, over the long run, cash is not going to be necessarily the best asset class to be in for your retirement if it might be 10, 15, 20 years down the road. We always talk about on this program looking at short-term, mid-term, and long-term needs for money and investing accordingly. If we're going to buy a new car in three months, obviously one of the best places to be would be for cash because we're eliminating the day-to-day -day market volatility. However, if we're going to be investing for retirement 15 years from now, cash may not be the best place to be for us to have the maximum amount of growth to help support our retirement in the future. So again, sit down with your investment advisor and make sure that your allocations are proper for how you're going to be using that money. New Year's Resolution 6 to your financial well-being in 2012 is review your portfolio for proper tax diversification. Many people are predicting with the budget deficits that we're having right now that higher taxes are in our future. While many people in retirement, while they may have pensions and Social Security, don't realize that those are going to be subject to income taxes. And if we are fully taking advantage of deductible IRAs and deductible 401ks, that's all going to be taxed later. So if all our money is set up to be taxed later, and if we do have higher tax brackets, is that the best strategy to be taking the deductions now? 
Many people don't even know how much they're actually saving. They're just kind of blindly putting into these deductible accounts. You really want to analyze how much are you really saving by putting into a deductible account and possibly sitting down with your advisor and coming up with a strategy where we're diversifying how your different accounts are going to be taxable. There are investments that are more subject to capital gains, which is traditionally a more favorable tax rate that we might look at for something like midterm money. There's tax-free municipal bonds. There's tax-free Roth IRAs. There's cash value of life insurance that might be tax-deferred, and you might be able to access tax-free through policy loans and withdrawals. There are many different tax strategies that are out there. And if the tax laws change, if we have a diversified portfolio of different types of investments that are taxed differently and are impacted by different parts of the tax code, if there are changes down the road, we don't necessarily have all our eggs in one tax bucket, so to speak. So make sure you're diversified from a tax strategy standpoint and sit down with your advisors, your CPA and your investment advisors, and find a strategy that can work for you to help minimize the impact of taxes in the future. While we're halfway through our New Year's resolutions, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to get our final six New Year's resolutions for your financial well-being in 2012. This copyrighted program and its contents is given with the understanding that neither the hosts, guests, nor station render legal, medical, accounting, tax, or other professional advice. The information and opinions expressed here are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendation for any individual situation or security. For specific assistance, you should seek the services of a competent professional. To learn about a specific investment option, ask your Real Wealth Advisor for a prospectus. Please read the prospectus carefully about the fees, expenses, and risks before investing. Real Wealth Advisors offer securities and investment advisory services through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, and Registered Investment Advisor, P.O. Box 64284, St. Paul, Minnesota, 55164. Real Wealth Advisors and Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated are not affiliated entities. This is Real Wealth Weekly on the Real Wealth Advisor Network. Having a conversation with your child is like putting money in the bank. For example, every time you ask your child... So, how was your day? You've just added to your conversation trust account. And when you say to your child... Good job, son. You get double deposits. And the more you ask, the more you put away. And it's good advice to... <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's good advice to have... Stop that! <clears throat> and it's good advice to have little chats with your child as often as you can. Thank you. Because someday, when they're teenagers, it may pay off big dividends. Dad, can I ask you something? Give your family everything. Give them your time. Thanks, Dad. I think you're right. Welcome back as we continue our 12 New Year's resolutions for your financial well-being in 2012. Before the break, we were talking about having a tax-diversified portfolio. And one of the things you can do to become diversified is consider Roth conversions. When they came out with the Roths back in 1997, to do a Roth conversion, if a household had over $100,000 of adjusted gross income, you are not eligible to do a Roth conversion. 
Well, in 2010, the ability to do a Roth conversion was available to people that made over 100000 and that law was extended for both 2011 and 2012. So right now, for those of you making over hundred grand a year, 2012 may be your last opportunity to consider a Roth conversion of your IRAs. Something new in 2012 is now Roth conversions are allowed within a 401k plan. So for those of you that have traditional 401ks, you now have the ability to convert to a Roth. Now, you must understand when you do these conversions, there's going to be a tax implication. That income is going to show up right on the top of all your current income right now. So one thing you want to look at is sit down with your CPA and maybe look at what your tax situation will be for 2012. And you might do some planning with itemized deductions, how you do things on your returns right now, your charitable contributions, whether to double up your property taxes, things like that. Having a strategy on how you can minimize the tax when you do a conversion. Also, keep in mind that it's not an all-or-nothing proposition. You may do a partial Roth conversion, so you can plan just how much it'll impact your tax return. The way our tax system works, we have brackets. So, for example, the first amount of money that you can make is not taxed at all. We then have a 10% bracket, which, by the way, in 2012, currently is the last year scheduled to have a 10% bracket. Then any money over a certain level is taxed at 15%, so it goes up from there. Well, one thing you may want to consider, regardless of your income level, is whether or not you can do a Roth conversion. And if you have enough deductions, we have a lot of people which we consider negative taxable income. What that means is they've got enough deductions that they have a negative income as far as the tax person is concerned. So what you're able to do is, let's say, for example, you have enough deductions that your negative taxable income is $5,000. Well, that means we could do a $5,000 Roth conversion and not pay any tax. We're having a lot of clients right now, in anticipation that the 10% bracket will go away, is looking at converting everything up to and through that 10% bracket. So whether your income is on the lower side, it's definitely worth considering Roth conversions. But even if you're on the high-end side where your income might be over 100000 for the household, you may want to consider Roth conversions being that 2012 may be your last opportunity. So again, something to sit down with your advisors and right now being the beginning of 2012, if you're planning on doing some Roth conversions, you can kind of plan the rest of your deductions and things like that to help get the most impact from that Roth conversion. One caveat with Roth conversions, let's say we do the Roth conversion, you miscalculate here in the beginning of the year or the market goes down. One thing that you can do for those golfers out there is cry mulligan and do over. So you can set it up to be a Roth conversion, then at year end decide, well, was that the best strategy to do? If not, maybe we can recharacterize, start over again and try again next year. That brings us to New Year's resolution number eight. Review past tax returns for opportunities taken and opportunities missed and plan accordingly. 
one thing that happens a lot of times when we meet with clients is we'll go back and we'll have an accountant review their last three years tax returns. And sometimes things like the saver's credit might have been missed or they had an opportunity, maybe take medical deductions but didn't. And one thing you can do is if there was an opportunity missed, you can go back up to three years, amend the return, and still get a refund. So it does pay to review those past returns. Also, the other thing to look at is, was there an opportunity missed? You know, before when we were talking about Roth conversions, we talk about people with negative taxable income. Well, a lot of times that opportunity goes by without being able to take advantage of it by taking some taxable income out, whether it's from a retirement account, drawing some money out, or doing a conversion, or taking money from a tax-deferred account, and being able to take that money out, and because of our tax situation, not pay any tax. So each and every year is somewhat unique. Most of us fall into this, well, that's just the way I've done it, so you just keep doing it the same way every year. And one thing that's been happening, there's been one-time tax opportunities that pop up from year to year. The tax laws are always changing. Our income situation is changing. The dynamics of whether or not we have dependents or not can be changing. All those things have an impact to our return. And this being the beginning of the year, if we look at what happened in the past and then start planning what we can do in the future to minimize our taxes, well, obviously, if we minimize our taxes, that will create more of an opportunity to strengthen our retirement accounts, either by not having to draw as much if we're already in retirement, or perhaps it finds a way that instead of sending money to Uncle Sam, maybe we're putting it in our retirement account. That brings us to New Year's resolution number nine, and that is do a life insurance review. Many people have policies they took out 20 years ago that really don't fit their current needs situation. One thing that's happened in the life insurance industry is costs have come down tremendously over the last 20, 30 years as a result of people living longer. The cost of insuring you for life insurance has actually come down. Another thing to consider is we now have linked benefits. Insurance primarily is there to replace lost income or to take care of some expenses that might be there when a loved one leaves us. Well, as we get older, the need for life insurance for a lot of people will diminish, but the need for long-term care goes up. Well, now, over the last couple of years, there's been policies that have come out that allow the death benefit to be paid out as a long-term care benefit. So if you're getting toward retirement or maybe in retirement, if you don't have any benefits for long-term care but you're carrying life insurance, you may look into a policy that provides these types of benefits. The other thing to analyze is whether or not you want term or permanent coverage. For some insurance needs, they're temporary. For example, if you have a mortgage on a house and you have 20 years remaining on the mortgage, well, maybe a 20-year term would be appropriate. But, for example, if I'm married and my wife and I are counting on Social Security as an important part of our retirement cash flow and one of us dies, we're going to lose a check. Well, if that income is gone and we're dependent on that income, what do we do? Well, when you're 75, 80, 90 years old, that's not the time to find out you're short on cash and trying to find work. So one thing you may do is look at having some life insurance that can provide enough money to replace that lost Social Security income during retirement. So there, we might be looking at a more permanent need. 
But the important thing is sit down with your insurance professional and make sure that you understand what coverages you should have. Is it matching up your current needs? Are you paying a fair amount for it? Are you taking advantage of today's lower rates? Are you looking at things like linked benefits to provide for future needs? All these things are things that you can be more efficient with what you're doing with your life insurance, as well as giving you more security and peace of mind for yours and your family's financial future. Here's resolution number 10 for 2012 is do a health insurance review. Whether you're on Medicare or you're on major medical insurance or through a group insurance at work, it does pay to take a look at these things, especially with as much as health care costs have been going up in the last 10 to 20 years. Well, if you're on a group coverage, look at the benefits that are being offered you and the choices and options. If they make available a health savings account option, it might be something worth exploring. Many people are fearful of the higher deductibles and the out-of-pockets, but if you look at the lower premium cost and the ability to contribute tax-deductible to a health savings account, as well as pull all that money out tax-free to pay for non-reimbursed medical expenses, I know many times when we do the analysis, even in a worst-case scenario, you're pretty close to breaking even with out-of-pocket expenses. But if you don't get sick and max out on your deductibles and co-pays, well, now instead of paying that money into an insurance premium, it's sitting in your health savings account for future medical expenses. So something definitely worth considering. If you're on Medicare, looking at Medicare Supplement versus Medicare Advantage plans, Sometimes we see people that are in the plan that may not be the best for them. The advantage of these medical advantage plans is instead of being on a typical Medicare with Medicare supplement, you have a one-payer system. Now, a lot of these plans have restrictions, and if you do a lot of traveling, you may want to make sure that you're covered if you're traveling during your retirement. The other thing that you want to make sure of is some of these plans are making available preferred provider networks. This lowers the risk that you'll have a lot of out-of-pocket expenses beyond what is covered or not covered by the policy. So you want to look into that. As far as Medicare supplements are concerned, you also want to make sure what the gaps are in what's called your Medigap insurance. So sit down again with your advisor, analyze the most appropriate plan for you. Don't make your decision based on what your neighbor or brother-in-law got because your circumstances may be different than what they have. So analyze the risk, analyze the cost, and make an informed decision. New Year's resolution number 11 is do a long-term care disability insurance review. If you're younger, make sure you have coverage in case you get sick or hurt and can't work. I've heard it said many a time, if you had a goose that laid a golden egg, would you insure the eggs or would you insure the goose? Well, consider ourselves the goose. Our ability to go out and make money every day is probably the most important thing to our financial security. And if something interrupts our ability to go out and make money today, have we protected ourselves against that? Typically, disability insurance premiums represent maybe 3 to 4% of what your current earnings are to insure 100% of your net after-tax earnings. So sit down with your advisor. Make sure you have proper coverage. I know one mistake a lot of people make is they say, oh, well, I got that all taken care of through work. And when we look at it, they end up having short-term disability that might only cover 90 or 180 days. You want to make sure that this disability insurance will cover you, hopefully, until retirement or at least a substantial period of time to give you time to recover 
and if necessary, start a new profession and be trained in a new profession. Along the same line is as we get to retirement, the disability might require long-term care. If we have impairments that hinder our ability to continue with activities of daily living and needing help with that, or we have a cognitive impairment and we need help or supervisory type care, whether it's in the home or in a community-based care facility, long-term care is an area that's growing dramatically as Americans are living longer and longer. And as we discussed earlier in the show, we did talk about a thing with life insurance where you could have a linked benefits. There's also linked benefits with annuities where you have a savings type investment that'll pay a very modest amount of interest. However, if you have a long-term care stay, we'll provide an additional source of funds to help pay for long-term care. There's also traditional long-term care insurance where they will specifically pay either a reimbursement of expenses or a daily benefit that will help defray the cost of having someone come into the home or going to a community-based care facility. These coverages are very important in some parts of the country. We've seen as much as $10,000 a month or more, which for most folks is enough to pretty much wipe them out. It's pretty important that you sit down with your advisor and make sure that you have a plan on how to deal with this. And if the plan means no insurance, well, then understanding what steps will be taken and what the impact will be to your family if you decide to go that alone. With all these different choices today, it's a lot easier to plan for long-term care and not assume all the risk yourself. The last New Year's resolution for 2012 is review your estate plan. You know, many people don't have any estate plan whatsoever, and I must encourage each and every one of you to make sure if you haven't dusted off your documents in the last five, six, seven years, you may want to do so now. One thing that's really important here in Wisconsin, we've had documents that have been declared pretty much null and void by the courts because they didn't meet the HIPAA compliance requirements. HIPAA is a law that passed several years ago, and if your documents predate the HIPAA rules, which is the Health Insurance Portability and Privacy Act, you may think you're covered, and you or your family may find out that your documents are obsolete. So make sure those things are up to date. The other thing is, when it comes to Title 19 planning, if you don't have insurance, or even if you do have some insurance, the ability to between spouses and family members to preserve some assets you need to have certain language in your documents that provide for a family member stepping in and taking steps that you may not be in a position to take. So making sure those are up to date is important. Also, many people now with the estate tax and gifting tax laws being about as liberal as they've ever been feel they don't have this need for estate or gift tax planning. Again, making sure your documents provide for planning opportunities in the future and also give you the most options today is pretty important because who knows what's in store for us in the future. So sit down with your estate planning attorney and your team of advisors and make sure that your estate planning documents are current with what your current wishes are and are up to date and allow you the most flexibility in planning in the future. So that rounds out the 12 New Year's resolutions for your financial well-being in 2012. Implementing one or more of these strategies that we talked about with your financial advisor will help give you the peace of mind to face your financial future. Happy New Year, everybody. Thanks for joining us this week. And tune in again next week as we explore another phase of the real wealth process.
And remember, if anything you heard in today's show you'd like to get more information about, contact your Real Wealth Advisor. Also, if you feel that any of this information will be helpful to a friend or family member, just click the Forward to a Friend button. This copyrighted program and its contents is given with the understanding that neither the hosts, guests, nor station render legal, medical, accounting, tax, or other professional advice. The information and opinions expressed here are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendation for any individual situation or security. For specific assistance, you should seek the services of a competent professional. To learn about a specific investment option, ask your Real Wealth Advisor for a prospectus. Please read the prospectus carefully about the fees, expenses, and risks before investing. Real Wealth Advisors offer security and investment advisory services through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, and registered investment advisor, P.O. Box 64284, St. Paul, Minnesota, 55164. Real Wealth Advisors and Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated are not affiliated entities. This is Real Wealth Weekly on the Real Wealth Advisor Network.